0: Welcome back to another podcast. I'm your girl, Real Annie Reed, and I'm super, super excited to be here today. So this is a topic that I've been getting a lot of questions about and probably the most feedback of a podcast that people are wanting me to do. So for those of you who have been following me for a while, for those of you who are just following me, I had gastric sleeve surgery back in October of 2017. And so I'm about six months out now, and I have got quite a following on Facebook, um, from other people who are on their weight loss journeys, who have also had um, bariatric surgery, so weight loss surgery in order to help them lose that weight. And I I really have loved talking about this topic and I've loved being able to share my journey um, on Instagram. One of the biggest reasons that I decided to um, kind of just document the whole thing and be really open and transparent is because I feel like uh, weight loss surgery kind of has a bad, a bad stigma around it. Um, there's a lot of people who look at weight loss surgery. It's kind of the easy way out, a cop out. Um, Within the weight loss industry, there's kind of this underlying thing, not with everybody. I mean, I feel like it's a a very small percentage, but of kind of that body shaming or weight loss shaming, I guess, if that's a thing, um, from people who've lost weight naturally, quote unquote. Um, I kind of hate that term because losing weight. With surgery or not, it still is coming off naturally. You still have to eat good, and you still have to exercise. So we'll get into a little bit more of that later. But I wanted to um, come here on this podcast and really just share about my journey. The questions I've been getting the most is, "Why did you get weight loss surgery? Um, what led you to doing it? Do you regret it?" Like a, a lot of questions coming through, and so I kind of want to backpedal a bit and start at the beginning. Um, I first heard about the gastric sleeve surgery uh, back when, let's see, Lucas was probably three or four months old. Uh, so it was back in 2013. And I remember a friend of mine had come over to visit, uh, after I'd had Lucas and we were just hanging out and I hadn't seen her for a while. And she walked in and I was like, wow, like you look amazing. What have you been doing? And so she kind of pulled me aside. She was like, can you keep a secret? And I said, yes, of course. And she proceeded to tell me that she had had this, this weight loss surgery done. And it was called the gastric sleeve, and so we sat there for the next, you know, probably twenty or thirty minutes, and she was telling me about it, and you know how they removed out eighty-five percent of her stomach, and now she's only eating these really small portions, and I just remember being really, really intrigued by everything she was saying. Um, and at the time I, I was, um, a single mom, I'd gone through a divorce when I was pregnant with Lucas. And so I had put on weight obviously from pregnancy and that, and, uh, being a single mom, I knew that I had to, you know, get back out into the dating scene. And after having, you know, this 10 pound baby, uh, delivered via C-section, uh, my stomach, <laughs> some other areas weren't looking so great. And So for getting out there and just feeling more confident about myself, uh, losing weight was obviously one of the four, you know, things kind of on the forefront of my mind. So as we started talking about this, um, I was like, "That's great! Like, where did you go? Like, how? Who did it for you? Did your insurance cover it?" And she said, "Well, I actually went to Tijuana, Mexico, to have it done." Okay. Hold the phone. My first reaction, and she could tell, I looked at her and I'm like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, what the hell? You went to Tijuana, Mexico. Um, my first instinct was just picturing her in this ghetto ass hospital um, on some of like this ghetto outskirts, like kind of what we've seen of Tijuana. Or I remember friends and things going to, you know, Tijuana, when we were in high school. <laughs> Won't get into that. And I just remember thinking, oh my gosh. And so I said my first question was, "Well, my hell, did you feel safe?" And she said, "Yes, I felt very safe." Um, she gave me the link from you know the doctor that she went to the facility, and then she she shared with me that a few other people that she had known actually had the surgery as well with her, um, and, and and they were people that I knew. And this was like, these were people that I respected, that I trusted. And so as I talked to her more about it and some of these other women, um, I became a little bit more comfortable with the idea. Um, however, like I said, that was back in 2013, it's now 2018. And so I, I had kind of always thought about it. Um, but I, I really didn't ever think that it was something that I would really do. Like I could never really see myself going to Mexico could never really see myself having, you know, 85% of my stomach removed. It sounded awesome. And I was seeing all these, you know, people I knew with these great results, but it was still something that really scared me. So fast forward, um, it was kind of just always on the back of my mind. Like I kept following her and seeing, you know, these other women that I knew that had had the surgery and how awesome they looked. And, uh, as when Lucas probably about the next month after I talked to this friend in 2013, I met my husband now and I met him when my son Lucas was four months old. And we met, um, I was, uh, at about two, when we met, we, I was about 209 pounds. And so, um, I had lost quite a bit of weight. I delivered Lucas at 285. So I lost about 80 pounds. Uh, met Andrew, was feeling really good. Um we started dating and of course when you start dating someone you feel really comfortable, at least for me, I can't speak for anyone else. I just got comfortable and I all that weight that I had worked to get off, um, I, I, it just slowly started piling back on. Um I am five seven, I get asked that a lot, so I feel like I need to preface that to kind of give you an, an idea of what my body looked like and for you know my height and weight. And so as Andrew and I we dated and then got married, um I remember when we got married, I was about 235 to 240. And so I put on about 25 pounds and it wasn't like, okay, like it wasn't super daunting that I put on that. I'm like, okay, I can lose these 25 pounds. But if you're anything like me, I mean, weight has basically been a battle for my whole entire damn life. It's been something that has consumed my thoughts from morning to dusk, what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to do. I mean, in high school, I was a cheerleader. I played basketball. And I remember my senior senior year when I uh, became a cheerleader, I mean, I was about... I remember being, you know, between 165 to 170 pounds, just kind of fluctuating between there. And I, looking back now, I mean, like my goal weight is 157 pounds and I look back and I'm like, God, you know, I thought I was so fat and so heavy. And, and, and I, compared to the, all of the other girls that i shared with, you know, who were 105 to 115 pounds, I definitely was bigger. Uh, um, but I, I, I kind of share that because my weight is something that's always fluctuated. And I feel like even at my smallest, um, I've never ever felt Thin or skinny or healthy. And so, as Andrew and I, like we got married, we, um, like I said, I put on about 25 pounds from my Met from the time we got married. And then after that, it was just kind of like game over. I started just packing on the pounds. Um, And and I think it was a combination of a lot of things, you know, personal things going on in my life, but then also starting to gain weight. Um, whenever I gain weight, I get extremely depressed. I get more self-conscious, and and not just that about my appearance, but I truly feel like my my weight gain, like my health, is very much contributed to the amount of anxiety or depression that I experience. And so, um, with that, it's really hard because you, at least for me, like I would I would um, feel bad about eating. I would feel bad that I had gained weight which would make me feel depressed. And I would f- get all this anxiety, but to cope with that depression and anxiety, I was turning to food. And so it was really this extremely toxic cycle where I had a very toxic relationship with food. I had a very toxic relationships with a relationship with me, um, with my, even just like my body image. Um, and I, and I look back to a lot of the, you know, things of my upbringing and, and things that contributed to that, but I just, I always remember like I, I was always bigger and it wasn't in a way that was fat, but I would have friends that were just very petite, very thin. And I, um, I, I just wasn't, but <laughs> nobody in my family is really built that way. Um, I believe my mom's my same height, maybe an inch shorter. My dad's taller, six foot, I don't know, four or five. So we've always just kind of been like a, you know, taller, broader family setting weight aside. Like we're just bigger people. And so, uh, that was hard growing up. But I just, I, I feel like from a very young age, um, I look back and my my parents really wanted us to be healthy. That was something that my parents were both very active. Uh, they were in shape and I was the oldest. And so I think as they started seeing, you know, me gaining weight and, you know, being a little bit heavier than my friends, I know it came from a place of love, but they started to um, really encourage me to eat healthy or to, you know, exercise and um, you know, let's not snack during the day or let's not do this. And so there was times though, where I felt like I'd be really hungry and I'd still want to eat, but I maybe wasn't allowed to, or I had to wait till dinner. And so from a very young age, honestly, from about probably middle school, maybe my like seventh, eighth grade year was when I really remember doing this. Um, I started sneaking food. I would, I would find change around the house. Um, I would go to school because in middle school, they had vending machines. And that was just like the most badass thing in my mind. Um, Because I could get things that we didn't have at my house. I could get, you know, the bags of chips and the candy. And um, this is super embarrassing, but I'm going to like get real here and like share the fat girl side of me. I mean, I freaking loved those Cool Ranch Doritos. Like that shit was my jam. And I would get a pack every day, Um, and I would basically like have enough money. Like we had a lot of change jars in my house. I've since had to like (laughs) tell my parents that I would ransack these change jars. My mom would collect change. Um, but I would find change or, you know, my dad would give me lunch money and things like that. And instead of using it for, uh, like a good lunch, you know, I just, I wanted these snacks and things that I, I couldn't get at home. And so, um, that began that, like (laughs) all the vending machine romance that I had, but then it also bled into, um, my, my life at home. And so I'm giving you this background story because I want to share with you, um, you know, all the details of why I got the surgery, why it was important for me to, um, you know, kind of express these feelings because I think that when you truly understand somebody, And when you can see their perspective for where they're coming from, it allows the person listening to not only change their perspective, but to see a new side of things that maybe just allows them to accept or to understand, to empathize and to not feel so judgmental about things because there are a lot of stigmas with weight loss surgery. So, going back a little bit, like I said, to my vending machine love days, um, I, I got to the point where at home we'd get home from school and we really weren't allowed to snack. We usually had an early dinner. My dad would get home from work. My We, we had that very traditional lifestyle of sitting around the dinner table as a family, um, which is something that I loved, but I would get home from school a lot of times and I would be hungry. And so because I really wasn't allowed to eat um, or if I was, it was like a healthy snack, and I didn't want an apple like I wanted the chips. Um, I started going, and I would take the uh, money from the vending machine that I was taking and I would, you know, get a snack for at least school. I put in my backpack so that when I got home. I could have a snack and I would go into my room. I would hide, um, when my mom would be downstairs doing laundry. (laughs) If my mom's listening to this, she's probably gonna be like, oh my gosh, you're spilling all your secrets. Um, I would go, I, I would sneak while she was doing laundry downstairs and I would go to the fridge and I would, you know, grab string cheeses or, you know, basically anything I could get my hands on. Anytime we had chips or candy, um, my parents had, uh my dad's old job he had vending machines at his work and so we had in our um basement storage like all the items that you would put in a vending machine and there was a lock on it and I found ways to find the key or um I would happen to like turn the door and it had been left unlocked and I would sneak those things. I mean, it was bad. I would I hid bowls of cereal under my bed. I mean, I truly had an issue with food. It was something that I viewed, it was an escape for me. It was a way that I dealt with, um, loneliness. It was a way for me to deal with frustration for pain. It felt good. It tasted good. I felt happy. And, and as I share these things, like, I, these something these things are hard to share um i feel like in the past you know 5 years ago had you asked me to talk about these things or if i had the opportunity to share i i know that i wouldn't have done it i wasn't in a place to be accountable i wasn't in a place to just call shit for what it was and just fact of the matter um i had a very severe food addiction and my whole life revolved around food um i would wake up i was like okay what's for breakfast uh my dad was actually really awesome he made good breakfast my my dad was a really good cook. So on the weekends, he'd make this, these awesome breakfasts, And so food just became, um, it became something almost as like a crutch for me, but it was also something that my family and, you know, our friends, families, our extended family, and our culture that I grew up here in Utah, um, within a very religious culture, um, that food was, very much the center of focus at events and family gatherings and holidays. And so because, you know, growing up in a religious family um, and the the religion that I practiced, they we didn't drink alcohol. That was something that we chose to abstain from and it's part of our beliefs. And so I feel like, you know, out in the rest of the world, when you would show up to a party or holiday, you know, people might bring a bottle of wine or, you know, like a little cheese snack plate, like a charcuterie board, you know, things like that, just little things to snack on. But The events that we would go to here, everything was very much centered around food. Um, Like I said, all the family gatherings, uh, I have a cousin of mine, we joke because on my great grandma, uh, my dad's side of the family, we do like a 4th of July thing at their house every year. And we always joke about how many mayo-based salads there were. I mean, like potato salads, pasta salads, um, the like chicken salads, and just, I mean, tons of mayo-based salads. And it's kind of funny to joke about. I mean, it's whatever. And if, and if you know anything about Utah or the, the religious culture here, it's kind of an ongoing joke and it's fun to kind of joke around with. Um, but, it, and, and it's not to blame on that. It's just something that the, the food was always around and food was something always or was something that we always used as a celebration um, when we got good grades or it was our birthdays or family night. Like we did a, we did family night every Monday, you know, spending time and bonding with the family and often we'd got to dinner. And so uh, it was always, I felt like met with good intentions, but I feel like all of the events, rather than being surrounded or have the intention of the, the, you know, gathering being about the activity or connecting with people. Um, I chose to focus on the food. And instead of connecting with people and building those relationships, um, I was always concerned more so with what food was going to be there. Like, what can I bring? Or is, you know, it was just always centered around the food. And so as I got older, um, I look back to, you know, the vending machine days of my early middle school you know, junior high years. And as I got older and got more involved in sports and like I said, playing basketball um, and then in high school with being a cheerleader, I, I was getting a little bit more active. And so I noticed that, you know, being more active, the food addiction that I had it it didn't go away, but it got a lot, um, it got a lot better. I felt like I didn't have to hide as much. And I don't know if my metabolism was changing. Just, I mean, you know, as you get older and you're going through puberty, your body's changing. And so, um, I felt like I, the people that I surrounded myself with in high school, I, I am really grateful for, especially the girls that I cheered with because they were all a lot smaller than me. And to, I, they never made me feel uncomfortable about my body. They never commented on my body. And, and maybe some of them didn't even really recognize that I was that much bigger. I mean, I think that we are obviously our own worst critics. And so I'm super grateful for those, those women that I, you know, the girls that I spent time with in high school, because they, I feel like really helped me my senior year of building that body positivity, because I did break the norm for what a typical cheerleader looked like. I wasn't that very tall, thin, you know, tiny, petite, 110 pound girl um but i i did it and i had confidence with it and i loved it and that was probably one of the first times in my life where i did start to feel a little bit more confident with my body and with how i looked and that it was okay to be bigger i maybe didn't love it and i obviously wanted to lose weight and to be thinner but um i that was where i started to get a little bit more acceptance for the body that i had and for and for appreciating it and so as i graduated from high school like i said i was about 170 pounds. um i I got out of high school and I left and went, um, to nanny right out of high school. And I was gone for about a year and just started packing on the weight. I mean, we call it the freshman 15. Um, I came back after a year of nannying and it probably gained about 20 to 25 pounds. So I would, I remember hitting over 200 pounds and just being devastated, And then I got into hair school and if, if you've been to hair school or I I really like any school, but hair school, I feel like is, is a huge theme because you're with all these girls, you're, you're learning and you, you get so close. And a lot of it is just snacking. And while you're waiting for clients, it's like, Ooh, let's order pizza or like, let's go across the street to Taco Amigo and get their kick-ass fries and like their bean burritos. And so, um, it, you just kind of, I, I remember like being out of high school and having that freedom, living on my own, having my own car and those things, I I really started getting into fast food. And I loved that I could, if I wanted to go get a hamburger at two o'clock in the morning from Wendy's, then I had that freedom. And so I, I had this newfound freedom of not being at home and having kind of my own life, my own space, my own apartment, and then having these food addictions and this thing that was giving me that comfort, it was such a bad combination. And so I look back, you know, I from my 18 to 20. And I, that's when I really started to, um, pack on that weight. And I, I started putting on the weight, putting on the weight. Um, and then I got up to, I remember probably in about 2007, uh, so about three or four years after I graduated and I, I had put on, um, I, I got up to about 280. And so I had put on almost a hundred pounds since I had graduated high school. And I remember just feeling like, oh my gosh, this is, not who I want to be. And I, for whatever reason, like hit this kind of this wake up call to where I'm like, this isn't who I want to be anymore. And so in 2008, I I lost hundred pounds. I got down to about 182 and I, um, remember just feeling really good. Uh, I started to just really watch what I was eating. I was doing a lot of low carb stuff. Um, and then I just kind of fluctuated back and forth. I get up over 200, you know, I'd gain 60, lose 50, gain 80, lose, you know, 40. And it just kind of went back and forth. And so for the last, I would say, probably like I said, 2007 or even like 2000, probably like six, um, up until about 2013, my weight fluctuated back and forth from anywhere from 200 pounds to 280 pounds. And the heaviest I ever got up to was 285. And so when I, when I met, um, like I said, go back to kind of with Lucas, I had delivered Lucas at 285 pounds and then I decided to, you know, I want to get myself together. I'm going to be dating people and, you know, having to put myself back out there. I didn't feel confident with my weight. And so I lost that weight, got down to about just under 210 pounds. And that's when I met Andrew, started piling on the weight. Um, so to kind of bring us back to that story. So I started putting on the weight and, um, like I said, just starting getting more depressed and feeling like, this isn't me. This isn't the life that I want to live. And I remember as I started creeping back up and creeping back up, um, I remember hitting 285 pounds again, and it was devastating. Cause I remember thinking, this is the weight that I delivered my son at. And when I got to 285 pounds, I found out that I was pregnant with my daughter. And I remember just being so excited that we were going to have this baby and have an opportunity to, um, you know, have a baby, but then just feeling like so down and freaking out because 285 pounds was the heaviest I'd ever been. And I know how much weight I gained with my pregnancies. And so I started to panic. I said, I'm starting this pregnancy at the weight I delivered my last baby. And I was bound and determined to not get over 300 pounds. Like that for me. And I think if you've struggled with your weight and, and even if you haven't, there's that magical number that you're like, okay, but I will never get to there. If I get to there, that's my wake up call to get my shit together. And 300 pounds was it. I was like, there is no way I can't. And so I started to like drink water and eat healthier and do everything I could. But it, it honestly, like it, it just wasn't important to me if I'm being honest, like I feared that, but I I was also like, I was growing a human and having this baby. And so long story short, I ended up delivering my daughter at 335 pounds Um, and I've, I've shared that picture the day in the hospital that I had her several times. Um, you can go to my Instagram. It's just real Annie Reed. So one word, R E A L A N N I E R E E D. You can follow me on Facebook. It's Annie Kitchen Reed. Um, and I've shared that a lot. And that picture to me was, it's, it's just, it's heartbreaking. And it's such a different range of emotions because here I am um, having this beautiful baby girl with a man who was incredible. You know, my first pregnancy, I was going through a divorce. Like I didn't have this loving husband there with me. And yet this time I did. And I, I almost felt worse. And it's it's hard to say that out loud, but I, I didn't feel happy. I didn't feel excited. And um, I felt really angry. I, I didn't connect with my daughter Uh, knowing now I didn't realize that, you know, at the time that she was born, it took me about a month or two, but I had really, really severe postpartum depression with her. And, and I think just, this is my personal belief that a lot of that postpartum, um, was attributed from how I felt about my body. I I was the heaviest I had ever been. I not only looked, I didn't like the way I looked, but I felt like shit, like miserable. I had so much blood clotting and bruising on my back. My legs hurt. I mean, I was uncomfortable. That was so much extra weight to have on my bones. Um, I physically and mentally was just, I, I was so, so miserable and so uncomfortable, um, and hated who I was. And so I went through this period of just extreme postpartum. Um, and it got, it got really bad. It got to the point where, um, I, I had contemplated taking my own life. And I, and I don't just mention that casually. And I, you know, without being serious, I mean, it, without going to details was a very dark time in my life. That first year, year and a half after I had my daughter, um, it was, it was the darkest time I've ever experienced in my life. And I would never wish that upon anybody. And, and I, and I share this with you now. Um, I didn't really have any intentions, I guess, of sharing this part. Um, but I, I, I share this just from the realness and the, the honesty of my heart, because, I never, ever want another woman to have to experience that. And I know that it's going to happen. And so if people do experience that, if women have to go through that, or it's something that they do experience, I want them to know that they're not alone. If you've experienced that, you are not alone. And it is the darkest, darkest place that I have ever been. Um, I didn't connect with my daughter. I, I, Um, I sent her to the nursery the entire time we were in the hospital. Um, I didn't really want to be with her. I would get home and I just was so detached and disconnected from her. I, I often questioned like, what's wrong with me? Why don't I want to be with her? And, um, I would lay in bed uh, for hours and hours on end. My husband would go to work. I'd be in pajamas. He'd get home eight or nine hours later, and I would be in bed still in the same pajamas, hadn't showered, hadn't brushed my teeth, binging on Netflix. Um, and, and, and this is, this is hard for me to share about my, my, my son, um, and my daughter, my daughter spent the first year of her life in her crib. It was such a debilitating, um, depression, um, I didn't want to engage with her and the only times I really did was you know to feed her to give her food to give her a bottle um, to change her and then when Andrew would get home from work he just basically took care of her uh, for the rest of the night and through the night and that's a that's a very a very hard thing to admit as a mom to to acknowledge and know that you just weren't in a place where you could care for your daughter the way that she deserved and I'm so grateful to to be out of that place but It was a very, very dark time in my life. And so if you are experiencing that, I want you to know that you're not alone. And I would just strongly encourage you to reach out as uncomfortable it is, is, or excuse me, as as uncomfortable as it is, and as hard as it is to reach out, um, talk to somebody. And if that person needs to be me, I fully 100% welcome that. You can Reach out to me in comments on podcasts, my Facebook, my Instagram, wherever you need to, like, I, I will always be an advocate for anybody, any woman who's going through that. And so, like I said, I think my weight was a huge part of that and, um, contributing to those feelings of postpartum. And as I kind of woke up about a year ago, like really about a year and a half ago, I just woke up and I said, I can't do this anymore. I, this is not, I'm not happy. I, I'm not happy with the business I'm in. I'm not happy with the people that I'm surrounding myself with. Like, I just felt like I was in a toxic shit storm. And so I decided to get out of the company I was with, um, made new friends, got into a whole new career path and it really just kind of transformed my life. And that's that's not what this, the whole thing is about. So I'm not gonna go into detail here. That's for another time and place, different podcast. But um, I I remember feeling better surrounding myself with different people getting into a different company and working you know with different people leaders who valued me who appreciated me who empowered me who didn't tear me down who didn't belittle me and i i started to flourish i started to have this newfound confidence and those that postpartum depression that i experienced it didn't go away immediately but it just day by day it was a little less and a little less and the next day, you know, I'd get out of bed and the next day, would, you know, I was, it was, I would brush my teeth and then the next day I was showering and then the next day I was getting ready. And then, you know, three or four weeks later, I am actually like getting up and being productive. I'm taking my kids out, like we're going and doing things. And so, um, getting just that shift and that mindset and the people that I surrounded myself with was huge. And so, um, even though that aspect of my life was doing better, my weight still was out of control and in it was september of 2017 to uh so just to give a little frame of reference Um I I quit the company that I was with back in uh December of twenty sixteen and started a new company that same month. And then um so it was about almost a year later. So from December of twenty sixteen to September of twenty seventeen, that's where I'm taking you to now. So December of or excuse me, September of twenty seventeen, we were at Disneyland um and we were with my husband's side of the family. And we were, we would take pictures all day. And then at night we had this group chat where we would go and send pictures to each other. Like we would, the pictures we had taken through the day so that if, you know, some had some of my kids or vice versa, we could just kind of share all the pictures and see how everyone's day was um, at the times that we weren't together. And so um, I remember we were uh, in line and we started talking about, Um, just like weight loss and different things. I don't really know how the subject got brought up, but my my mother-in-law mentioned, she says, oh my gosh, have you seen so-and-so? She was two family members of theirs. And she had mentioned that they had weight loss surgery. And I said, no, and I haven't seen them. So I immediately, of course, I went to their Facebook and Instagram profiles and I was just so blown away. And she told me that, that they had had this gastric sleeve surgery and i remember thinking okay it took me back to you know when I, right after i'd had lucas back in you know 2013 about the gastric sleeve and i remember throughout the day I just it, it was it just stuck with me and i kept thinking i couldn't stop thinking about it and i um i messaged them and i said hey who did your surgery and they told me and it was the same doctor that my friends had gone to that i talked to back in 2013 And I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. So we get back to the hotel. Um, I'm sitting there with Andrew and we start sending these pictures to everybody that's, you know, to connect from the day and share those. And my sister-in-law sent a picture that she had took of Andrew and I. And it was like a cute candid photo of just Andrew and I being weird and silly. But I looked at this picture and my heart just sank. And I thought, holy shit, like that's what I look like. That's what I look like and that is not who I am. And I remember having just this feeling of sitting on the hotel bed. I was by myself, Andrew was on his bed and I was sitting next to Lucas. And I looked at Andrew and I was basically, a had tears in my eyes and I said, I'm getting that surgery. And I knew, I don't know how to explain it. And I think that the only real changes that ever happened in my life are those spur of the moment, where you know, and you, you you just trust that shit and you follow it. I knew that if I didn't change my life today, that it was never going to change. That's not to weaken myself. It's not to say that it was a cop out or that I took the easy way out, which I am going to get into. Um, I just knew that if something didn't change, it was not going to change for me because I had spent all these years, um, trying to do it, but not really doing it. It wasn't important to me. I was trying to run a business. There were so many things that I had going on. And all I kept hearing is that this this gastric sleeve was such a great tool for people who were wanting to lose weight and who were overweight. And so I remember I that night at the hotel, I got onto the website that that these everybody had sent me that had gone to the same doctor and I messaged them and filled out the little survey they had to see if I could qualify, like if I was heavy enough and all that. And the next morning I got an email back saying that I, according to what I filled out, I had been like pre-approved for that. And they asked if they could set up a time to call and chat. And so we did. And I remember being in line at Disneyland for Thunder Mountain and they called and I chatted with them for a minute and I set my surgery date for October 20th that day and that's the truth. That's how it happened. And when I was, when I scheduled the surgery, I wasn't going to tell anybody. Um, I very much feared what my parents would think. Um, I, there were people in my life that had been vocal about the surgery. Anytime I'd like mentioned it, um, that weren't supportive of it and thought that it was extremely stupid to go to Tijuana, Mexico. And how could you do that? And how dumb could you be? Um, but I'd also been following a lot of weight loss accounts and some were people who had just, you know, gone to the gym, worked out, um, eating whatever foods, you know, the good foods. And then some people had had the weight loss surgery, still going to the gym, eating good foods, but they'd had this tool that allowed them to kind of just retake control of their lives. And that was what was so appealing about it with some of the weight loss accounts that I was following, um, who had had the gastric sleeve, uh, a lot of them had had it done in Tijuana, Mexico. And I went to Mexico because we didn't have insurance and it was so expensive to have here in the States. And so the more I started researching it, um, and doing those things, even after I'd already booked the surgery, um, I found what, what in this thing is a term called medical tourism. And it's actually a very common, popular thing where people go to Mexico and these, um, you know, different countries out of the States because things are so much more affordable. Um, and, and what I feel like is really cool. A lot of my friends and people I know that have had surgery in the States. Now this is not for everyone, but, um, I'm finding that people who've had complications from weight loss surgery, the, the percentage is higher from people who've had it in the States in my experience. Okay. Not saying if you have it in the States that you're going to have complications. Okay. Please don't twist my words, but I don't know a lot of people who've had complications outside uh, you know, going outside of the U S. And I feel like one of the reasons is because they are doing it so often. Um, my doctor was board certified here in U- or not Utah, um, but in, in America, got a lot of his training here. And I, I felt so, so safe. I would highly, highly recommend. Um, I went through weightlossagents.com. My doctor was Dr. Almanza and I had a fantastic experience. The facility was extremely clean. Um, the the staff was incredible, and what I loved the most, besides all of that, like feeling comfortable, is the the staff through the weight loss agents. They they were in contact with you daily until the surgery, even and even after the surgery. They message me once a week. They ask how you're feeling, and that to me is so rare. They truly, truly care. Um, I feel like about their patients and wanting you to have that success. And my doctor actually, he had the same surgery as well. So he was overweight and he had the gastric sleeve. And I think that that's such a powerful, um, a powerful testimony where he, he sees the difference that's made in his health and his life. And he wants to give that to others. And so, um, highly recommend that. No, I don't get paid. This is not like a promotion thing. Just wanted to share my honest experience with that. And so, um, people always ask me where I went. That's why I'm sharing that with you. And so back to, you know, I didn't want to tell my family and I kept it a secret. I, I, I booked our flights. I mean, obviously Andrew knew and Andrew's family actually knew cause they were there with us at Disneyland. Um, and then I told my aunt And I remember feeling like I'm just going to tell everybody after it's done because I still wanted to share my journey, but I didn't want to have anyone give me any negative opinions that would sway me, you know, wanting to go do the surgery or change my mind because I was set on doing it and I knew this is something that I needed to do. And I didn't want to listen to anyone's bullshit, just bottom line. And so in a roundabout way, I had everything set. Um, I told my parents that we were going on vacation and... uh, (laughs) I think moms have mother's intuition and she, she messaged me, um, two days before my surgery. And she said, are you going to have weight loss surgery in Mexico? And I was like, whoa, okay. Like this is creeping me out. And I just said, yes. I mean, I was honest. And so we talked and she was, and she was kind of sad. She's like, I wish you would have told us and that you felt like you could tell us. And, and they were so, so, so supportive. And so I was so grateful that my mom reached out to me. And so that night I decided to go live on my Facebook. I said, okay, if my parents know, that's where I was hung up. I didn't want them to be upset or try to you know, persuade me. And so I just, I went public with it then versus waiting. And I can't tell you how grateful I am that things worked out that way. I always say everything happens for a reason and things happen perfectly, even if we don't see it at the time. But it was such a, it was such a positive energy to have so many of you, just, I mean, the love and the support, Andrew and I went live and I shared this big announcement that I was having weight loss surgery and that I wanted to share my journey because a lot of people that I did follow who had had the surgery, they didn't talk about like the hardship. They didn't talk about the things that like, you know, it was just, Oh, I lost weight and I feel great. But there, there's a lot of hard things along the way. There's a lot of mental things. And that's what I feel like a lot of people aren't talking about that absolutely needs to be talked about. If this is something that you're considering. And so I went, um, with Andrew, we flew to San Diego on, uh, October 19th. Um, the shuttle from the hospital, they picked us up in San Diego, then drove us over the border into Tijuana, got us all checked into our hotel. Um, and then the next morning I had surgery and I, I just remember, I remember having the surgery and, um, I, I really felt great to be honest. That first 24 hours I woke up, I was feeling good. Um, probably even into like 36 hours And then that next morning, I woke up again. So after like a full day and a half, and um, I wasn't feeling great. I was feeling really nauseated, and I had a lot of nausea. Um, My pain level was fine. I didn't really experience a lot of pain, but the nausea was just killing me. And and I was I mean it was severe nausea. And I get really bad nausea with my pregnancies, but this was something that I had just never experienced. And so when people ask me, you know, what was the roughest thing within the first month? And it was absolutely the nausea. Um, the the medications and prescriptions to help with nausea, they weren't working. All the essential oils, the chicken broth, the heating pads, I mean, like nothing was working. And so that was really hard mentally. And within that first month, I experienced immense amounts of regret. I thought, what the hell did I do? Um, I would have periods of time where I'd be kind of hungry and craving something other than liquids. And I just felt like, oh my gosh, like what, what have I done? I've, I've made this awful decision. And, um, I just remember having those feelings of regret and I'm so grateful that I stuck with it because I feel like you are going to have those feelings. Of, like it, it's a natural thing. You, it's, it's a huge life, life-changing decision. And so I, I want to end this podcast here. I want to make this a two part um, because I, I don't want these to be super long and out of control boring. And so um, I just want to tell you like how I got the surgery, how I heard about it and what kind of made me decide to do that. Um, but the biggest thing that I, the reason why I decided to get this surgery is because what I was doing on my own, it wasn't working. And I felt almost weak when I decided to get the surgery, like I, I was using it as a cop-out But I will tell you this, and if you have had the surgery, you know what I'm talking about. It is harder than anything I have ever done. It it is harder physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually harder than anything I've ever done. Because food addiction is a real, real thing. And when you have an addiction to a drug, or when you have an addiction to alcohol, you don't need alcohol to survive. If you're a heroin addict, You don't need heroin to survive. You don't need, you know, whatever the drug, you don't need that to survive and you can get clean. You're going to go through detox periods and these things and all that. And it's, it's a hard process when you have a food addiction and I will never discredit this. I don't care any shit that I get back for it saying that food's not an addiction. If you've never experienced it, you don't get to say that it's not. When you have a food addiction and you are quote unquote getting clean from it you have to spend every day around food for the rest of your life. Whereas if you're an alcoholic, you can choose not to go out to parties where you know there's going to be alcohol. You can choose not to maybe go to restaurants or go to bars, but you can't avoid food. You can avoid alcohol. You can't avoid food. You're around it all the time. There's commercials for all the time. Hell, every damn corner has a fast food restaurant on it. Come through here, get your burger, get your fries, get your quick fix. Like, Food addiction is a hard thing and losing weight is a struggle. And so if that's not something you struggle with, I would just really invite you to be empathetic and supportive and loving towards the people in your life who maybe are heavier or who do struggle with that because it is such a a lonely place to be sometimes because we get all the time, well, why don't you just exercise? Why don't you just lose the weight? Why don't you just do this? And, And while I agree with that, I am very much a believer in holding yourself accountable. However, if there are tools that can help someone get sober? Wouldn't you want them to do that? If there are tools to help people get their life and their health back, like the gastric sleeve and bariatric surgeries, why in the hell would you ever put anybody down for wanting to better themselves? And if you've been that person who's belittled someone, or maybe that person that's, you know, ragged on people for having weight loss surgery, shame on you. I still love you. And I know that we all make mistakes. We all judge, we all do those things, but I just share that with you because I invite you to see a different perspective. The gastric sleeve has been such an incredible tool for me. I still have to watch what I eat. Um, I, I still eat extremely clean and healthy. I still have to drink my water. I still have to put in the work. I now just have a tool that helps me control my portions. It helps keep me in check. And that's all it is weight loss surgery is not a quick fix. It is anything but, and I'd be lying if I said that I didn't think it would be a quick fix. There was very much a part of me. I knew I was going to have to do the work, but there was a part of me that just thought the the weight was going to fall off and I could kind of do whatever I wanted. And it was so much further from the truth. You still have to put in the work, the gastric sleeve, bariatric surgeries. It's just an additional tool to set you up for success, to getting healthy and to getting your life back. I truly want to thank you for taking the time to let me share my story. Let me share my journey because I feel like the more we share the things that we've gone through, the more we share our journey with other people, all we're doing is connecting and bringing people closer together. And the worst feeling that you can ever have in this life is feeling that you're alone. So again, thank you from the bottom of my heart for letting me share part one of my journey. I look forward to sharing the rest with you.